You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall of All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content. You'll find anywhere. Gentlemen, listen, it's portal season. The portal opened up, had a few gaps in the park. You guys have been tracking that last week uh, with the morning drops. Uh, don't need to rehash that, but what we can do is while the portal class is beginning to sort itself out, uh, we may get some commitments in the next few weeks. Let's talk about last year's portal class. This was the inaugural portal class of the Hugh Freeze era. So it was pretty interesting to see what players he selected, uh, what type of players that he went after. Uh, so let's let's kind of go through. I'll let you guys decide. Want to talk defense or offense first? Man, let's hit him with that offense right now. Oh, you want to go offense right first? now? Okay, right okay. now. All right. Let's All get right. to the All meter. Right. Ike, I'm gonna lean heavy on you because you're the you're the, you're the you're the film guy for some of these players. So you you have a very good feel for or idea of terms of how these players perform versus whatever expectations we had. So let's talk offensive line. The first guy that comes to mind is, well, let's get some of the guys out the way. Dylan Senda, who was part of the second window uh, of, of the portal, he transferred as a result of uh, the debacle that happened at Northwestern. Um, obviously, yep. younger kid, highly recruited, but just got out of his uh, his deal with Northwestern 
came to Auburn, wasn't expected to contribute this season. So I think it's safe to say no real expectations for him. The next. Not no, this not season. this season. Yeah, he wasn't expected to contribute and did. So, him, so. Yeah. that's easy. Next guy is Jaden Muskrat, who was part of the second window as well, the transfer from Tulsa, who wasn't a lot expected of him, although he did play a little bit this season. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought he did, did did fine, considering that I wasn't expecting to see a lot of him anyway. Um, but I don't know what you guys had thought about Jaden Muskrat. Um, I'll say that Jaden Muskrat probably met my expectations of him. I wasn't expecting a ton from him. Uh, I think he played admirably um, in the snaps that he did get. Let's see. Looks like he had a uh, not a ton of stats for this season. Two hundred and sixteen total snaps. He not bad. Played. He played, man. Um, yeah. So. But but what I like about Jaden Muskrat is we needed somebody to come in and kind of give us some more something at that tackle position, and he gave us some rotational depth there. Um, I think that he played well, and I look forward to him taking that next step, getting a full offseason program, coming in and actually competing for one of those tackle spots. We could potentially have two starting tackles that are transfers from Tulsa next year with Dylan, Raid and Jayden, Dylan Wade and Jaden Muskrat. Uh, potentially come in. So looking forward to seeing how he progresses um, in, the, in a full off-season program. Avery Jones, I, he was excited about this guy when we got him out of, but, was it East Carolina? East Carolina. Yes. And I was excited about him too. In fact, uh, I know that there were a few few people who were high on him um, as one of our, kind of one of our dark horses to be one of the higher performers along that offensive line. Obviously, the center is a very important position, so we expected him, given his experience, to really shore that up. Our thoughts on Avery Jones and how he performed this year? Uh, I, th- I thought Avery uh, did well at times. Um, you know, he's solid. He, he took a lot of heat when Connor Lou came in to spell him, and people were like, see, throw Avery away. Um, you know, and, and Connor got some starts. Avery came back ultimately. Uh, I, I I thought he did well. I thought he did well for his first season, um, you know, uh, particularly playing at this level, right? Like the SEC is a monster. He came in and, and they had to figure some things out. He was playing with a brand new unit, right? And he was the center. You know, the second quarterback on the field. There's a lot on the center. It goes overlooked a lot, I think, you know, in this game. So, uh, I I I thought Avery, you know, had, you know, I, mean, I would I would call it an average season, but it was it was sufficient to get Auburn where they needed to get in the run game. I thought the run game worked worked well, uh, and the quarterback wasn't running for his life. Um, you know, now I, I think play calling. I I can't, and I can can jump in here on 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 how Avery graded out in terms of any calls he had to make down along that offensive line. Nothing really stood out as super negative to me about him. It was just, I don't know. I, I feel like when you're not talking about the offensive line, they're usually doing okay. And that's how I feel about Avery Jones. Like, there wasn't a ton. I just didn't have a ton to talk about him. I, I thought that Connor Lou did well in spelling him, but, you know, certainly uh, Avery was not as bad as some people try to make him out to be when he was not started for those few games. It, it was injury, I think, that sent him to the bit. Right, right, right. 
Ike, your thoughts on Avery Jones, expectations, and how he performed this season? Uh, you know, he he underperformed the expectations I had for him. I had really high expectations for him, but that doesn't mean that he played mm-hmm. poorly. It just means that I thought he was going to come in and really give us. This is, you know, Mike G said it right. The quarterback of the offensive line, right? He's a second quarterback out there. I felt like we lacked uh, mature quarterbacking early in the season when it came to certain things. Right. And, you know, that's not just Avery Jones. That's the actual quarterback as well. Do you think the learning um, curve had a lot to do so, with that? I, I mean, he, was, he, he enrolled I don't early. Know. So, you know, you wouldn't yeah. expect that to be as big of a factor. But again, at, at, at this level, could that have played a factor, you think? I mean, it could have, but I just didn't see a lot of talking that I wanted to see from both he mm. and the quarterback position. And I expected to see them up there really taking charge and getting everybody on the same page. Didn't see that a lot early in the season. As far as him blocking and doing what he was supposed to do on a play call, I think he was fine. Um, I just expected more leadership from him at the center position to get us in the right situations, get get us out of poor situations, even if you didn't get that call from the QB sometimes. And I just didn't see that a lot. So again, he underperformed my expectations, but I think he performed fine. Like, I don't think I had a ton of issues. A couple of, uh, you know, silly penalties, some some silly snap stuff that happened for him during the season. Um, just... I, I really thought he was going to come in and be dominant. Um, just physically, I, I thought he was ready. Mentally, I thought he was ready. Um, and he came in and he played well, but not great. And I thought he was going to be kind of more on shading towards the great end of that spectrum. So underperformed my expectations, but I think performed admirably this season. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I, I think he met. I didn't have as high as Ike's, even though I did. I do recall there were some penalties early in the year that was kind of some head scratchers, given his experience level. I mean, listen, he only had four penalties on the entirety yeah. of the season, right? He played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, four penalties. So it's not like he was. Machine, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. telling you. So, I thought the line. I thought he was, met expectations. Was... Yeah. I thought he met expectations. Um, who I didn't think met mine. I had higher expectations for this guy. So your synopsis for this for Avery Jones is what I have for this guy, Dylan Wade. I, yeah, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. So you can basically copy and paste Ike's comments for Avery nah. Jones and put it for Dylan Wade for me. <laughs> control C, Control V. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Go ahead, Ike. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. Look. Cole Kublik could not stop singing Dylan Wade's praises this offseason. Every time he got on the mic, he was, we'd be like, Cole, how do you think Auburn's going to do at QB? And he'd be like, well, you know, Dylan Wade is a guy I really got my eye on. <laughs> like, look, um, he felt really felt like argue with Cole, Dylan right? Wade. Yeah, has, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you made me think it's so funny. So, like, the the idea here was, you know, going into the season, my expectations for him, I'm with you, Caesar, were were higher. I was disappointed at some of the penalties he got. Now we just you just talked about a few uh penalties Avery Jones got. I I was the the timeliness of some of the Dylan Wade penalties was really disappointing right. for a guy that we had high hopes for. Now that's not something he can't clean up. This is not me throwing Dylan Wade to the wolves. It's just I had I had higher he was the guy on the line I had the higher expectations for. Um to really just have one of those full send type seasons. 
And, um, you know, I, I, again, he, he's, he's got the talent, you know, and, and hopefully in year two of this thing, Dylan is uh, a com- more complete offensive lineman. I, yeah, 739 total snaps mm. this season, 10 penalties for him on the year. Now he played all 13 games. So again, not a penalty machine, but to your point, Mike, it was when they yeah. had him that made them so much more egregious. It's like a hold on a surefire first down where you didn't need to have a hold or a touchdown that got taken back because of a penalty with him. Um, You know, uh, false start here and there. It was just the timeliness of those where it was like third and short and you false start. And now it's third and medium or third and long. And it's just like, come on, man. Like we, the the timeliness of them were, were devastating at some points to maintaining drives or, you know, getting first downs. Um, and that's just something he's got to clean up. But overall, as far as, again, how he performed when it was time to block, it was good, not great. Pass blocking specifically, he had some issues in pass blocking in some games. Um, and uh, his run blocking, though, I think was um, – actually, he's he was probably better pass blocking than he was run blocking in totality if you look at just kind of how he graded out on the season – I just think that, you know, like the penalties, it was sometimes it was the most inopportune time for him to have a bad rep. Because usually right? that's like, when the offense starts trying to figure something out. Because the offense yeah. had been struggling yeah. up yeah. to that point. Get a first down, but it's coming back because of his hole or whatever he did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully, to Mike's point, a whole uh, an, a, another season of him at this level. He's the guy, I think, that... Um, probably had the most growing that he had to do as far as just the speed of the game at this level. Um, you know, when you look at the other guys that we had that transferred in, though Avery Jones, you know, was playing at East Carolina, he was initially brought in out of high school at North Carolina, right? Like he got a P5 mm-hmm. offer out of high school. So he was a guy who some, some guys scouting him out of high school said, oh, he could play at the power five level. Now, North Carolina, the ACC, you know, it's not like he got, you know, SEC grades coming out, but he at least got P5 offers and a P5 scholarship right out of high school. None of the other guys that we're going to talk about that were transfers Mm -hmm. that applies to. Uh, So I think that he probably, because of it being a tackle position and it's not really about strength all the time, it's about a combination of strength and speed, figuring out how to be able to deal with the constant pressure of speed rushers at this level athleticism he probably had the biggest leap um as far as just trying to understand the speed of the game and i think he, pre- he performed admirably but to everybody's point i think underperformed the expectation of him i'm gonna ask that. you this and again this is not a slight uh shout out to curtis jackson because he had a post he had a comment in here that's basically in line with my next question he's basically he basically says wade is a guard for real i see auburn going out in the portal to get a left tackle so he can slide inside when you give in weight size, is he more of a guard at this level or even the next level? So obviously, he's trying to get to the, to the NFL as well. Is he a, really a guard playing left tackle at a fall? Uh, 6'3", 307. Um, I don't know that one is better guard. Tack- like he could play either of the positions. He probably does, from a skill perspective, translate a little bit better to guard at the next level. but if we don't get a tackle in the portal, he's going to be playing tackle again. 
right? So, because we've got a ton of guards on this team. Interior offensive line is not a place where Auburn is thin. It's it's all it has always been for like the last five six years been the tackle position on the yeah. on the offensive line, and so in order for Dylan Wade to not be a an offensive tackle for Auburn this coming up season, they're going to have to go get a surefire stud as a tackle, and he's still probably going to be at the two deep there at tackle. So um, I don't know what his future is, but. Already right now he's gonna have to play tackle because we need him to. <laughs> he just he the other options are guys who definitely don't translate to tackle. They just they can't. Like his versatility helps and be able to slide out that way, but like I can't name another quality tackle that Auburn has on this team. You got the the, the freshman Tyler Johnson who could potentially do yeah. that. We already talked about Jaden Muskrat, mm-hmm. um, but. Isaiah Miller, who, in my opinion, was not good at tackle, and then what? Nothing, right? Like you just don't have any other tackles that are va- yeah. available on this team. So uh, we'll next guy before we leave the offensive room, Gunner Britton, who was also hey. first window. Um, this guy actually met my expectations. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I was pleased with his play, but gentlemen, your thoughts about Gunnar Britton? Uh, I thought Gunnar Britton met expectations most of the season. Just, you know, a solid piece that they plugged in there. He had one year to play. He decided to play it here at Auburn. Uh, You know, we had a chance to sit down with Gunnar at the fireside. You know, I thought he brought a lot of good energy and leadership to that position room. And, um, man, let me tell you something. I mean, without... The way offense went without Gunnar Britton and Avery Jones and Dylan Wade, this season could have gone completely off the rails. Like no bowl game off the rails. <laughs> I thought those guys as a unit led by Gunnar Britton, who you know played pretty well, all things considered. You know, for for an offense that was for the most part one dimensional most of the season. You know, uh, I thought they did decent in pass protection. Uh, Thorne's pressure rate was about average in the SEC. They were a lot allowing, I think, about like twenty six percent pressure rate. You know, on 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 Peyton Thorne. And, and for reference, uh, low twenties is excellent. Mid twenties is about average, and anything over thirty is terrible. Your QB is truly running for their life if they're under pressure more than 30% of their dropbacks. So those guys did fairly well, I thought, 
you know, at times this year. Again, it was average. It was just something that we we weren't sitting here talking like fans had been saying the last few years, like, God, we can't do anything with this offensive line. You know, they can't run any offense. Think about it. A lot of the conversations around the struggles on offense were centered elsewhere. <laughs> you know, I think, the, I think people really got on the wide receiver room, guys, like they had been getting on the offensive line when Bo was here. And last year when Robbie started, I mean, he was running for his life last year for sure, right? Um, so I, I, I think that um, Gunner did a great job this year. One-year guy, again, he talked about what it was like playing here against Auburn and then suddenly now you're on the other sideline. And it, it's a lot. It was a lot to handle. Like mentally, I thought he did a, a solid job just kind of stepping in and and playing like the experienced guy they needed one year left to play and, and, and honestly when you get these one-year guys if they play at the level of a gunner britain you're probably satisfied that what you're getting out of a one-year transfer that's not transferring from another power five school i, I thought i i thought he did well at times again you know i'm not gonna say he was the greatest transfer Auburn's ever had at o-line but you know, I'm I'm trying to think of some Gunner Britton penalties here, Ike. Do you have that pulled? He had five on yeah. the season, 724 total snaps, played uh, all 13 Yeah, games. man. I like, like, I mean, whole games, no penalties. I. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like he had five, he two in one game, two in another, one another. Like so, four, nine, only nine three. Games. He was only penalized three games the entirety of the season. Um, you know, of course, a couple of those did feel very inopportune, but yeah, he was solid all year. He made uh, second team all SEC as a transfer, um, playing multiple spots along the offensive line for Auburn. He played left guard, right tackle for the mo majority mm -hmm. of the snaps. He was either at left guard or right tackle. Um, can't say enough about just his ability to adapt to a, a yeah. situation. But again, I felt like he was one of the ones kind of ready to make that yep. jump. Physically, I think he's ready. Six six three twelve. A unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he's a guy who has the versatility to be able to play multiple positions and do it well. I'm actually surprised we didn't play him at tackle that. more. I was going to ask yeah. you, was he your other tackle potentially? Yeah, I I'm surprised he didn't get more reps at tackle considering what I feel like we had at depth in the interior offensive line, um, you know, but they felt better about, you know, the best five being out there, having someone else out mm. there at tackle um, that, that again, that that's a surprising thing for me is I felt like they, that Auburn would have benefited from him playing tackle opposite Dylan Wade uh, more than Isaiah Vion Miller. And then letting guys like Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson, um, even Connor Lou, you know, coming in there playing guard when Avery Jones got back, I thought that that would have been a solid five to, to um, get out there. But, you know, listen, I don't get paid to make those decisions. So somebody else understood what they had out there in those five and they decided. To All right, gentlemen, yeah. before we get to the break, uh, let's 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 start talking about our skill position guys on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. Let's start with tight end. Only one guy here in this room from the transfer portal, and that's Rivaldo Fairweather. Let's talk yeah. about it. How do we feel about him? Did he meet, exceed, or fall under expectations? He came in with some pretty big expectations considering the struggles of our yeah, offense. Yeah. What say you, gentlemen? 
Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to go here. And Ike's going to correct me as soon as I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I felt like he underperformed expectations, but I'm going to add a caveat. Uh, the passing game as a whole was a mess most of the season. He definitely paid some of the price for that. But honestly, he had some very untimely drops and penalties. I, he was not particularly good blocking, in my opinion. Uh, and the production in the passing game, to me, did not exactly offset the, the, the blocking stuff. Right? Like, man, I was really disappointed in the tight end blocking as a whole. The best blocking tight end didn't play very much, and that's Michael Raleigh, yeah. But for a guy who, man, I really thought had the size and speed to to, to make a, a a splash in the SEC, I I, I thought he underwhelmed. And it, again, I'm trying to make sure I'm clear here. I think Rivaldo Fairweather is super talented. I think he's got all the physical attributes. He can do most of the things. And, and I I am attributing some of the struggle that he had this year to the dysfunction that was the offense overall. But there were some things that you could, like, listen, man, you don't need the ball thrown at you to block, obviously, because you're literally blocking. There are things that you could, the things that you can do without the football, I thought he could have done better this year. So we're, we're talking about we're talking about how he performed versus the expectations coming right. in. Uh, I was a, he was a little underwhelming. Obviously, he made some big plays for all. He was Auburn's year. leading receiver this year. Yeah, 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 right. And mm -hmm. and that's why I want to add the caveat. Like, look, there weren't a ton of opportunities out there. But I expected him to be that shorthanded guy that always made the play when you needed to play. And, and he did the opposite at times this year. And I think Peyton Thorne needs that. Yeah. He, uh, let me, this is why I think, again, and maybe Michael correct me here. Uh, like, I think that Peyton Thorne needs the Rivaldo Fairweathers of, the, of this team to make more plays for him than he's going to make for them. He needs playmakers. I, I think it's clear after year one, Peyton Thorne needs playmakers. He's not going to throw anybody open or, or he's not going to make anybody better. You got to help them out. And, and, and that's what this wide receiver class is supposed to be about, right? Helping the quarterback out so that they have some leeway. I, th I thought that, that Rivaldo Fairweather would be a safety net for Peyton Thorne. And, and I'm not sure if he left, lived up to the safety net. You know, and Thorne threw him some dimes at points this year. He gave him some opportunities. Some of those plays were made. Some of them were not made. Just, I mean, I, th I thought he could have done better, and I believe he will do better in years. He's got all the time. I will say this before before I goes. Given the struggles, given the type of receiver that Hugh Freeze likes, and given the struggles of some of those receivers that we thought could have filled or met the Hugh Freeze expectation of a receiver, this would have been a great opportunity for Rivaldo to stand out. Yeah. 
despite the issues that we had in the receiver room. The fact that he was serviceable but didn't stand out to me was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I, that's a great way of putting it, too. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I struggle because I, I, I don't want to be super critical of him. Like, you know, it, all these guys suffered from the system this year yeah. or whatever it was, all of them. So everybody's got that asterisk by any critique. <laughs> you know, it was... You know, when it's not good, when you don't have a good game plan or, you know, execution is at high from other areas, you, you guys know how I feel about receiver. That is the position where you are in the least control of your destiny. You can get off the line quickly. You can beat your man. You can run the perfect route. And, you know, other things can keep you, you know, if the quarterback gets sacked or like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The ball could just not get to you. You could do everything right, and the ball could just not get to you. So it, it, it's it's tough at receiver. I you know I probably grade on a larger curve for them because we have to evaluate so many things before the ball gets, to you. and then we evaluate them, right? How well did the receiver do all the things that they were supposed to do? Put themselves in a position to make a play. And uh, like I said, I, I I thought that I thought that Rivaldo Fairweather would be one of those bona fide playmakers for Peyton Thorne season. And, uh, you know, I would honestly say I don't, I don't know if he had one at tight end or receiver. I don't know if he had a bona fide playmaker this year. Now, some of that is a function of play, and some of that is a function of the offense, right? You know, I leave it to you guys to assign percentage of, of, of weight there. Okay. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Mike said. I think – for the expectations I had of Rivaldo Fairweather coming in, I don't think he met those expectations. But again, like I said with Avery Jones, I had high, high expectations, expectations yeah. for him. Him being the leading receiver for Auburn this season, I think is more a function of offensive dysfunction yeah. than it is that Rivaldo Fairweather stood out above everybody else. Um, you know, I, I will echo the exact words. I thought he was going to be a security blanket, like just, hey, we need a catch. We're going to throw it up to this big body guy, make the contested catch guy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the QB didn't get him, get it to him. Sometimes you tried to get it to him. He didn't make the play. Right. Um, I, I, I had higher expectations of what we were going to do offensively. And a lot of that had to do with what I feel like Rivaldo Fairweather would provide for this offense. The biggest disappointment for me though, isn't the pass catching though. He had six drops on the season and I'm, every drop that I can remember was pretty bad, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't one of those, yeah. oh, it's kind of like, oh, they gave him the drop there. But like, no, like every drop I can re remember from Valdo, except maybe the one where he got hit in the uh, Bama game, yeah. it was completely on Valdo for just not, just not catching it. Now, conversely, he made some catches where you're like, wow, that's an amazing catch, right? So it's boom or bust sometimes with him. The most disappointing thing for me was the blocking uh. though. It's the blocking. Like, you, you can't be that bad at blocking and play tight end in the SEC or the yeah, NFL. Right. Like, if you're just going to be a receiving tight end, then just don't put him in the pass blocking sets. Just don't, like, get him involved in some other way that just, just don't let this guy block if he's going to be that bad. But if you're going to trust him to block, he needs to be there and make the blocks, man. And he was, in my opinion, more often than not, in unable to make the blocks properly when he needed to. And 
to me, that's just not that's not a recipe for a six four two fifty one dude that plays tight end. Like you need to be better than that. You need to be more physical than that. And he just didn't meet that level of physicality. I feel like he needs to to translate to an NFL caliber tight end. Um, so he's got some work that he needs to do on his technique in the blocking and just his because a lot of it comes down to physicality and just desire to go hit somebody in that instance. Some guys just enjoy it. Some guys don't. He didn't seem to enjoy that. Um, and so they either need to figure out a different way to use him or he's got to figure out how to find that. Yeah. So, yeah, underperformed the expectations. We will, we will get to running back, receiver, QB, as well as uh, the defense.